You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or the earth beneath or the waters below. Now, you say, well, we don't have that kind of thing here. No, we just disguise it a lot better. It's the house or the car or the boat. Traveling to India, this one, uh, the violation of this in places around the world. Uh, they got idols to the monkey god and the ox god and the, all kind of animals, and they're just worshiping the creation and not the creator. Taking a journey through the Ten Commandments, Pastor Danny shares the continued importance of keeping the Lord's instruction near your heart. In today's message, you'll learn that although the written law no longer binds us, love for Jesus necessitates obedience. While in America, we typically don't worship the sun or a specific animal god, we do idolize success, wealth, and popularity. Even if you're not bowing down to an artificial object, you can still place something higher than God in your heart, making it a sin. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Genesis chapter 3 as he continues his message, The Two Most Significant Men in History. said, you will not surely die. You're not going to die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. In other words, the serpent planted a thought that God was not really all he was perceived to be, you know. God's holding back on you. No, God, God doesn't want you to eat of that tree because he knows you want to be really like him. That's the tree. So as the woman looked, saw that it was pleasing to the eye, good for food, and she took, she disobeyed. She disobeyed God, knowing she was disobeying God. Deceived, deceived, but knowing God had said, don't do it, but the serpent convinced her. God was holding back. He got Eve to doubt God's character, his holiness, his goodness. And then she takes, and it says there in the record, she gives some to her husband who was with her, and Adam disobeys God. How many moms in the room? <laughs> Wasn't giving birth a joyous experience? If it weren't for sin, it would have been a joyous experience. It was joyous after the child was out. Then you forgot, you know, because you got a new life now. But, boy, during the process, look at what happens here. Verse 16 to the woman, he said, I'll greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you'll give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband. You're going to act independently. And he'll rule over you. You're going to feel like a doormat. Verse 17 to Adam, he says, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat of it all the days of your life. It'll produce thorns and thistles. Never had that before. Now there's thorns with the rose. 
You'll eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you'll eat your food. He never sweated before. Every day the work was a joy. Now it's a burden. Until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are and dust you'll return. God had come to Adam and Eve after they sinned, and it's a little bit humorous that when they do sin, they realize they were naked. They try to cover their nakedness. It doesn't work. They tried to cover their nakedness with fig leaves. I always like to ask the question, anybody ever felt a fig leaf? I know what fig leaves feel like because we had a big fig tree when I was growing up. We had a lot of figs, and a fig leaf is not fruit of the loom. It's one of the coarsest leaves you can, you can have. And you imagine being trying to cover your nakedness with a fig leaf. Oh, ouch. They were in a hurry. They tried to cover their nakedness. They hide from God. God comes walking in the cool of the day, suggesting that was kind of a common thing walking and fellowshipping with man in the garden, in paradise. But now man is hiding, and God asks, where are you? And Adam says, well, I'm hiding. I realize I'm naked. Who told you you were naked? And then God asks a simple question. Easy answer, easy. (laughs) Have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to eat from? The woman... You gave me. He tries to pass the buck. Eve, what's this you have done? The serpent, he deceived me. Everything we have to deal with that is wrong in this life, every single thing, it's Adam's fault. When you go to Genesis chapter 5, and I don't have time to read it, and, and for a lot of reasons, men lived longer in those days, but even though they lived longer, every one of them, one guy, Enoch, representing rapture, he gets raptured, and everybody would like to go that way, but if the rapture doesn't happen, guess what? You're going to die. Methuselah lived longer than anybody else we have recorded, and then he died, and then he died, and then he died. And that's the way the chapter is. Chapter 5 is the death chapter. You're going to die. Now, let me pause a minute. Listen, don't you want to have like a Zoom meeting with Adam? Hey, can you get Adam on the line? And you want to look at him. I mean, we've all watched those movies where somebody is going down a path and you go, you know where they're going. It's stupid. Why are you going that direction? And they make decisions and you go, why are you going to do that? And you think, you're so stupid. And I want to look at Adam and go, what were you thinking? I put in my notes, he had daily fellowship with the God of creation. He'd never known what it was to sweat. His work was nothing but a joy. He was clearly told by God not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and if he does, he's going to die, and he doesn't. We try desperately to prolong life, but within every soul is the looming thought, I'm going to die. And here's what the Bible said, we have an appointment with death. It's appointed unto man once to die. If there was no sin, there'd be no death. I think I said it. Let me say it again. Death is Adam's fault. Come on, say it with me. Death is Adam's fault. (laughs) I want to just have a talk with you and say, what in the world are you thinking? (laughs) Look at all the trouble you got us into. But here's what the Bible says, and it's sometimes a little hard to digest. Not only is death Adam's fault, death is our fault. I can't explain it, but I can tell you that the Bible declares it, that when Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, we sinned in Adam. See, we like to think that if we were there, if it was me and not Adam, I'd have never done that. And that's what we want to believe. And that's just not true, not according to the Bible. It's just not true. As mysterious as it might be, 
uh, we sinned in Adam. It's just like we were there. And here's what the Bible declares. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And I'll tell you how, how, how real this is. Now God says, I'm going to give you, all right, everything that you lost. I'm going to give you paradise back. All you have to do is turn from your sin and receive my son, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. So why is it, why is it most people won't do that? Because we're just like Adam. I don't know if you know what sin means. Do you know what sin, the word sin means? It's a word this culture doesn't like at all. I mean, you talk about sin. I've had people just sneer at me when I mention something in their life and called it sin. But that's man's problem. That's our problem. Sin. And here's what sin means. It's not difficult to understand. It means missing the mark. Missing the mark. You miss the mark. For all of sin that falls short of the glory of God. You miss the mark. Now, here's the good news. Jesus Christ is our hope, but Jesus Christ is our only hope. He's our only hope. Most influential man in all of history, Jesus Christ, and he's the answer. In Romans 6, we'll get to it soon, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me pause here just a minute and, and try to encourage you. You say, wait a minute, if I put my faith in Jesus Christ, why am I still going to die? Good question. Ephesians 2 tells us when we put our faith in Christ, we were dead in transgressions and sins. Here's what we have to understand. The Bible declares that when Adam and Eve sinned, they died immediately, but they didn't die physically immediately. They died spiritually. Ephesians 2 verse 1, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. First Timothy talks about a widow in a context of widows and who the church should help and who the church shouldn't help financially. And it talks about widows who live for pleasure. And it says the widow who lives for pleasure, going away from their commitment to the Lord, is dead even while they live. Famous story in the Bible in the Gospel of Luke. We call it the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son. Uh, he gets the inheritance early. He goes away in a rebellious, wild living, uh, squanders inheritance, ends up in a pig pen, uh, comes to his senses, and then basically repents. He turns, he goes back to his father, and he says to his father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And the father throws a party. If you know that story, the father throws a party, and he says, my son, he was lost, but he's found. He was dead, but he's alive again. You see, they died spiritually, and because they died spiritually, they would one day die physically. One more text. Turn to the right from Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What a great, great text. Chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. Go down to verse 21. Since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam, all die. By the way, if you haven't received Christ as Lord and Savior, you are spiritually in Adam. In Adam. As in Adam, all die. So in Christ, all will be made alive. But each in his own turn. Christ, the first fruits. 
first fruits was first fruits represented the coming crop afterwards the harvest the first fruits each in his own turn Christ the first fruits he's risen from the dead never to die again he's the first fruits then when he comes those who belong to him then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Very important statement, verse 26. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Hang with me. Jump down, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. So it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam, referring to Christ, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so also are those of the earth. Is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. The challenge is... When you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, you are literally born again, but not physically. He's talking spiritually. And you're born again, and you get a new spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live with inside you. But the reason you still physically are going to die is you need a new body. In Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about sin still dwelling in the members of his body. That's why... You're physically going to die. We need a new body. Thank God we're going to get one. Back in Romans, landing gears down, that means I got about 10 minutes. Two most important men, two most influential men in all of history, Jesus Christ and Adam. I'm going to read one more time, verse 20. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. The law was added so that the trespass might increase increase. It's a shame we live in a culture where they're banning so many things that are godly, and one of them is they don't want the Ten Commandments in public. Ten Commandments were added to show us our sinfulness. I don't know when the last time you looked at them, but say the first one with me. You ready? Here we go. You shall have no other gods before me. Anything or anyone that sits on the throne of your life other than God, if I had the time, I'd go into the gods that Israel so easily went off and worshipped, but I don't really have the time. I'll just throw in a very good, quick summary. Baal was one of them. Baal, among other things, promised sexual satisfaction, but without God, the God of Israel in the equation. And what happened is they became sensual and trying to satisfy their sexual desires and sexual pleasures, but it was outside the will of God and outside the word of God. Doesn't work. Molech was the god of pleasure, the god of pleasure. And among other things, one of the ways you'd worship Molech is you'd sacrifice children to Molech. And anything got in the way of your life's pleasure, including your children. So if you got pregnant and you weren't planning it, you just sacrificed the child. And that god's still around today, just like Baal. Then there was the god of mammon. In Luke 16, Jesus mentioned, you can't serve God and mammon. Mammon was the god of money and the things money can buy. And then there was Ashtaroth. And Ashtaroth was the goddess of the moon. And that's the goddess of romance and love. But again, it's romance and love without God in the equation. And history. 
The Bible, biblical history, is just full, full of the disobedience of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Second, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or the earth beneath or the waters below. Now, you say, well, we don't have that kind of thing here. No, we just disguised it a lot better. It's the house or the car or the boat. <laughs> Traveling to India, this one, uh, the violation of this in places around the world. Uh, they got idols to the monkey god and the ox god and the, all kind of animals, and they're just worshiping the creation and not the creator. Number three, you ready? Let's say it together. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. GD this and JC that. But it also includes when you, you're trying to hammer and you hit your thumb instead of the nail. And, ah, and what do you naturally say? I don't naturally say praise the Lord. I used to regularly watch the series, the reality series, Cops. If I wasn't a pastor, I probably would have been a cop, according to my wife. I can't tell you how many times on cops when they catch the bad guy and he says or she says, and here's what they say. They're sitting in the cruiser and they're saying, I swear to God, I didn't do it. I swear to God. I swear to God. They're trying to use the name of God to get out of what 99.9% .9 of them really did, but they're trying to get out of it. I swear to God, I didn't do it. You're misusing them. Number four, you ready? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, we're not under law, but the principle of the Sabbath is still here. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And the violation of the Sabbath repeatedly in the Old Testament, you know why they did it? They'd work seven days. Why? Because they're greedy. And they didn't trust God that on six days he'd provide enough to cover them for the seventh day. And so it was greed and also a lack of faith. And you still see that happening today. The first four commandments all have to do with a relationship with God. And if your relationship with God is not right, you're going to really have trouble with the last six because the last six have to do with our relationship with one another. Here it is. Say it with me. You ready? Honor your father and your mother. If you've ever been disobedient to mom or dad, you're guilty of violating the fifth commandment. Jesus went on to say some people make excuses of not honoring mom and dad even in life. They would say, well, I'd like to help you financially, but you see, this money's a gift devoted to God. <laughs> and they're making excuses and using God for their excuse. In any way you don't honor father and mother, you've just violated the fifth commandment. And then there's number six. Say it with me. You shall not murder. Murder not only is a sin against a human being created in the image of God, according to the Old Testament law, if you've been reading in the Old Testament in our Bible reading plan, murder defiles the land. And then there's number seven. You shall not commit adultery. Marriage should be honored by all. So shall a man leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Listen, adultery, this is a vast subject. Now, my purpose is not to go into the details of this, but adultery is any sexual sin outside of holy matrimony. A woman married to a woman is against God's law. A man married to a man is against God's law. Being involved sexually with anyone, 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 if you are not Biblically, join in holy matrimony. You've just violated 
commandment number seven. And then there's number eight. Here we go. You ready? You shall not steal. You shall not steal. If you cheat on your taxes, you've just stolen. We're going to get to a verse in chapter 13 of Romans. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. doesn't matter about the government. doesn't matter who it is in office. doesn't matter. You owe taxes, pay taxes. You shall not steal. Number nine, with me, come on, here we go. You shall not lie. <laughs> Anybody making 100 on the test so far? And then the last one's a big one. It's a big one. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, servant, ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. You think it's bad enough just to take a fresh look at those? Here's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 15. We're almost done. Please don't leave God out of these last five minutes. Matthew 15, verse 19. Out of the heart, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery. Jesus said if you've looked at a woman and thought about it, you're guilty. Sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Even if you could have made close to 100 on the test before, Jesus comes along and says, if you violated any one of them in your heart, you're guilty. I promise this is the last scripture I'm going to read. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. If that's your lifestyle, listen to me carefully, if that is your lifestyle, if alcohol or drugs has you, if you're in a relationship and that relationship is more important than your relationship with God, whatever it is, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, just so you don't misunderstand, we're not talking about that you're sinlessly perfect, but if your lifestyle is that, here's what you need. You need to repent. And repentance is the path for life, for life abundant, for life eternal, for salvation. And that's verse 11. That's what some of you were. You were homosexuals, prostitutes, adulterers, sexually immoral, idolaters, etc., etc. That's what some of you were. You were. But you were washed. <laughs> you were washed. You were sanctified. Sanctified. Now, You've been set apart for God. You were sanctified. You were justified. Just as if you never sinned. That's fascinating, but that's exactly what happens when you repent and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And now God looks at you because of your faith in Christ as if every one of those Ten Commandments you kept completely. You're justified because now you have the righteousness of Christ. Christ said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. And he did. He kept every one of them. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
by the Spirit of God. We're so glad that you joined us for today's edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message from the Book of Romans again, or hear more from Pastor Danny Hodges, visit ccfstpete.church. You're also invited to join our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As you make your way through the Bible, you might be surprised how something you read hits your heart exactly where you're at or what you're going through. God's Word has a way of doing that, and it's unmistakably God's way of speaking to you. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? You never know how someone might be impacted by hearing about God over the radio, even if they weren't intending to. Pray that listeners would be open to hearing the gospel message. Pray also that we'd continue seeking God's will for this program in teaching the Word and reaching the world. We'd also like to ask you to pray about supporting The Living Word financially. If you feel led, you can find a way to do this through our website, ccfstbete.church. Just click on the Give tab. We're so grateful for your support. Thanks for praying, giving, and listening here on The Living Word.